Hey, Robot Lady here with a couple of plugs before we get the show started. On Palantines Day Gabriel will be at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Palantines. Palantines. I can't say that word. Or experience love. Let's just say February 14th Gabriel is performing in Tacoma, Washington. February 15th Bainbridge Island, Washington and February 16th Royal City, Washington. Last week I said that show was in Moses Lake, Washington, but it is in Royal City. Don't blame the messenger. Also no one who listens to this podcast lives in Moses Lake or Royal City so I don't think it fucking matters. February 19th to 24 Gabriel will be in Calgary at the Comedy Cave. For more info and for all of Gabriel's show dates go to gabrielrutledge.com. Alright, TikTok it's time to rock. Episode 7 of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. Now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. You know what? Uh, Robot Lady misspoke. Uh, I checked. I have I have one download from Moses Lake, Washington, so I apologize. Although one, one download ever, which means they listened for a few minutes and were like, mm, I probably have better things to do. Uh, but anyway, if that one listener from Moses Lake is listening today, uh, go to Royal City. It's only like 30 minutes away. I have, uh, I have stats that tell me where people are listening and, uh, you know, it's a 94.58% the United States. USA! USA! Uh, but there's some, there's some weird location. Some of this could be like VPN stuff. People who are, uh, you know off the grid, don't want people to know where they are because they, I don't know, the dark web, or maybe I used to do that just so I could uh, watch the Major League Baseball app and watch my home team. Uh, Chile? Chile people download my podcast. Canada? Honestly, there should be more in Canada considering how much of my life I've spent up there working. Japan? Bosnia and Herzegovina? Herzegovina. I don't know why I would say a Bosnian word with a Italian accent. Herzegovina. Uh, France, Spain, Spain, Spain. Did you hear last week's episode? I'm 1.9% Spanish. We're practically related. Uh, Croatia, Pakistan, India. Uh-oh, they don't get along. Uh, Brazil, New Zealand, Australia. If you're from one of those uh, places, uh, send me a message. I want to know. I want to know what circumstances in your life led to uh, you hanging out in Bosnia, uh, listening to "Happiness Isn't Funny" with Gabriel Rutledge. I find that very interesting. Um, I am uh, from a hotel today, not in my home studio. Hosts of the Happiness Isn't Funny podcast with Gabriel Rutledge. Just stay at the Courtyard Marriott. Room 213. You might be able to hear the heater in the background. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't turn it off. It's not safe. I would die. It's, uh, it's way too cold. It's unbelievably cold here. Hold on. 
Oh, I'm just going to take a sip of this delicious Appleton tap water. It's actually not delicious. It tastes weird. I like my water like I like my women. Filtered. What? I'm a little, I'm a little dehydrated. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, I had a couple of uh, adult beverages last night. I usually drink beer, but uh, I've been, I've been doing some, uh, I've been, I've been doing a low carb thing. I know, I feel like an asshole just saying that, but, but uh, so I've been drinking more whiskey because whiskey doesn't have carbs. And uh, and if you're like, are you trying to spin you drinking whiskey into being a health decision? Yeah, I am. I'm drinking whiskey for my health. Okay. So uh, I went out last night with uh, some of the staff from Skyline Comedy Club here in Appleton, Wisconsin. Had a good time. Drank a bunch of whiskey. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, a little dehydrated. I feel okay. I'm not... I don't get bad hangovers. I'm not trying to brag about how good I am at drinking. I talked to my brother about this, too. Uh, we don't, I mean, yeah, of course if we drink a lot, maybe a little bit of a headache, maybe not feeling your sharpest the next day, but, like, people who talk about terrible, terrible hangovers, I don't, <clears throat> whatever uh, the ethnicity I discussed last week on my 23andMe results, the combination of all of that uh, means I don't get that messed up after drinking. Uh, by the way, I'm talking about my older brother, um, my younger Down syndrome brother. I don't know if he gets hangovers or not. I actually, uh, if you've been with me since episode one, thank you. But I, I mentioned on that episode, my younger brother is, uh, Down syndrome. And I, I think I think this is interesting. I don't know if you will. Uh, there are I know two other Northwest comedians who have Down syndrome siblings, which uh, and I think I've met even more in my travels. But that's I, I think that makes sense actually because uh, if you have a Down syndrome sibling, uh, sometimes you know it can be stressful. Um. To the entire family, and I think sometimes one of the family members takes on the role of, like, keeping it light, I guess. One, you know, one of the siblings is like, okay, I gotta I gotta uh, keep everyone amused during this stressful time. Uh, I, read, I read this in a book once, um, <clears throat> can't remember the name of it, but it was talking about the type of people who become comedians. And there's one type of people, person, peoples. Uh, that, uh, you know what I mean? Like lampshade on their head at a party, like just constant need for attention, always on that kind of, I guess, think Robin Williams, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then the other kind is, uh, a person who is constantly hyper aware about how everyone around them is feeling almost like a hosting a party mentality. Like, oh, no one's talking over there. Oh, no one likes that chip dip. Uh, oh, those two people don't get along. I hope they don't start talking. Like, you're just too aware of everything around you. I would be, not that I, you know, obviously all comedians like attention, but I, I identify with that, and I think one of the reasons I identify with that is because I had a Down syndrome brother. And 
in my case, not even like a normally functioning Down syndrome brother, but, you know, because of seizures and brain damage, he, he he's like a one-year-old for his whole life. Uh, and I never even thought about these things until I went... <laughs> I I uh I went to uh when I went to counseling uh the uh, it was like an introductory first session and uh the uh the count the therapist was like uh, you know tell me about your family all that stuff and I'm like ah it's kind of like a first date you're like oh I got to go through all this shit well my dad did this my mom her bro- and uh I told her you know my younger brother it's Down syndrome, uh, but low functioning, just like I told you. And she and she was like, interesting. Um, so I guess in a lot of ways, your childhood was never about you. And I started crying. <laughs> Not even in like a bad way, like it's something my parents did to me, or it was uh, – uh, any sort of bad feelings about my brother or anything any of my family did, but I just never had thought of it in that way. I never thought, yeah, especially when I was really young, my little brother was almost dying all the time. It wasn't about me. My parents did an amazing job not letting us know how stressful life was, but you still sense that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I had never even considered that until, I mean, I was probably 43 in a counselor's office, and I was like, holy shit. This lady gets me. I better quit immediately before other things are exposed. I flew into uh, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, on Wednesday, because you can fly to Appleton, but, I mean, you can fly to Europe for the price it costs to fly to Appleton. So uh, I flew to Milwaukee a day early. <clears throat> stayed the night and uh at a super eight which is eh, not great but you know super eights are usually okay but okay eight's a terrible name so they went with super eight but uh i got to my room you know super tired flew all day landed at like 10 30 p.m i go to my room looks fine uh, i go to turn a lamp on and there's like a weird color hue to the room after i turn the lamp on i look (laughs) i look over inside the lampshade is a pair of women's pink panties uh which you know if there's a pair of panties in a lamp usually they were probably thrown in a moment of joy uh so good for whoever was in the room before me but you know it's a little uh you don't want to see that i didn't want to touch it I got a towel, kind of grabbed that out of the lampshade. I called to the front desk. I said, um, this is a weird thing to say, but I found a pair of panties uh, in the lampshade. And she said, do you want to change rooms? Uh, and I said, no. I mean, this room seems okay. I mean, I can see why the person cleaning didn't see underwear in a lampshade. But maybe you could come get the panties from my room and she was like well i don't want them why don't you just throw them away like wait well fuck me then am i being a diva am i am i expecting unreasonable customer service that you would 
come throw away the underwear I found in the room. I mean, I did throw them away, but I just, I don't know. I, uh, I actually brought it up when I was, uh, in the lobby with, uh, hanging out with the staff of this hotel a little bit. And I said, let me ask you a question. Was I out of line? Is this, and they, they agreed that, uh, it was pretty ridiculous. They wouldn't even come get panties out of my room. I texted a picture of them to my wife and, uh, she said, um, those might fit me. Why don't you bring them home? Which is <laughs> made me laugh. And then, uh, 30 seconds later, she texted me, please don't. I was joking, which I would not. I mean, panties are a sexy thing in the right context, but random ones that you don't know who they belong to, uh, in a hotel lampshade, it's, uh, it's scary. Not scary, but gross. Sexy things out of context are, are uh, off-putting. Like, I like the sight of a naked woman. If there was one in my Super 8 closet, it would have thrown me a little bit. Uh, at least I would have known whom the panties belonged to, I guess. But Maybe. <laughs> was, was it housekeeping? Were they like, oh my god, i got to stop wearing these panties. They never fit right. I'll just throw them here in the lampshade. Go clean room 212. I don't know what happened. Uh, but I, uh, if I had to choose, I don't know why you would. If I had to choose, I'll take, uh, panties and a lampshade over bed bugs. Um, but I don't think I actually have to choose that. Also, my, uh, my flight to Milwaukee had some, uh, it had a medical emergency. Uh, and some guy, uh, some old man had, uh, apparently a minor stroke, which was, uh, uh, you know, concerning. I think he's okay, but it was uh, it was pretty dramatic. On my flight, on my flight uh, uh, to Milwaukee, had a medical emergency. Uh, it was pretty scary. There, uh, that someone, someone had a stroke, and uh, I don't know if we were going on a flight with a medical emergency. They, the, 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 the I was going to call them uh, stewardesses. That's not what you're supposed to say anymore. <laughs> Sky waitress, flight attendant. Thank you. <laughs> They are there primarily for your safety. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, they're there for your safety. I'll be honest, they didn't do shit. I don't, they, they got on the loudspeaker and they said, are there any doctors on board? And then I was looking around and I'm like, oh no. We're on Southwest. <laughs> There's no doctors on board. <laughs> if you're going to have a stroke, choose Delta. <laughs> no one responded. There was a lady next to me who was like, I'm a receptionist at a doctor's office? I'm like, unless you can put a stroke on hold, I don't think that's helpful. <laughs> flight attendant how do we how do you forget what a flight attendant is i said stewardess like i'm 80 like when's the last time they were called stewardesses 
Also, Sky Waitress is disrespectful because men are flight attendants. Uh, although they weren't on, there were none on this flight that were men. Uh, also, I made up the part about a medical receptionist. I exaggerated for the sake of humor, which I am allowed to do. They're jokes, not documentaries. It was, uh, it was minus two degrees here in Appleton yesterday. Uh, like all day, even after the sun came up. I think it, I think it briefly got up to zero. Uh, which is just unreasonable. It's just really unreasonable. Uh, I mean, I can't even, uh, I had to dry my hair. <laughs> I don't always, uh, dry my hair. Welcome to Hair Talk. With Gabriel Rodledge. If if I have something public to do in the morning, maybe I'll dry my hair so I don't look like a a, a drowned rat. But uh, I don't. But I have to dry my hair uh, in Wisconsin because it literally will start freezing on my head like ice spaghetti uh, if I don't dry my hair. It's I don't even know. Uh, I'm recording this on uh, uh, Saturday. I do not know. I'm supposed to fly home tomorrow. I don't know. It's not looking good. There's a, a ton of snow where I live. Uh, in uh, well, you guys know where I live, but ah, it just doesn't snow in the Seattle area enough that we know what we're doing. We we don't de-ice the roads or use salt. There's uh two trucks for half of a state. I mean. I don't know. There's always people who move to Washington from like Minnesota or something. And they're all cocky, like, oh, we don't even close school and it snows 14 feet and blah, blah, blah. And you guys are, yeah, that's not, you, you're going to slide across the road the same as we are. It doesn't matter where you used to live. Like I'm, I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin right now. People have snow blowers at their homes. They, half the people have trucks they can put a snow plow on the front of. There's people, uh, de-icing roads. 24 hours a day, even the side streets. There's an infrastructure set up to handle snow. We do not have that in western Washington. And so it uh it's pretty much chaos and I don't know uh I don't know what I'm flying back to tomorrow. Um I'm I'm really rooting for not having to spend the night in an airport if I could choose. Um but uh yeah. I don't know. It feels worse being gone during a snow emergency from my family. I don't know why. It's not like if I was there, I would be some, <laughs> somehow providing something they need or like, no, I'm going to go kill an animal and chop wood with no shirt on. I don't know why. I don't know what I would be doing uh, that they really need from me, but I just it feels worse to be gone. I hope the power doesn't go out. I had uh, several years ago, I... Uh, I had to cancel a, a show flying out of uh, Seattle out of SeaTac because uh, I actually I went up the night before because someone gave me a ride and I stayed in a hotel. It was already snowing. I was trying to fly to Colorado Springs in the morning. Flight kept getting canceled. Oh, we can put you on this one. Maybe not. Uh, I eventually I had to. I <laughs> I remember I called the comedy club and I said, "Look, I don't think I'm gonna make it. Uh, there's still a chance." But, you know, it's snowing a ton. Um, so I don't think I'm going to be able to make it today, Thursday. Um, I will hopefully be able to make it Friday. And I left that message on a voicemail. 
Then uh, my wife called me, said the power went out. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't leave everybody. So I uh, <laughs> I called the guy, I called the booker back, and I said, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it. The power's out of my house. I don't feel, you know, I got to be here for my family. And uh, he said, don't worry about it. I already got the whole weekend covered. This happened in 90 seconds to two minutes. I mean, it took me 48 emails and confirmations to book this comedy club in Colorado Springs. And he replaced me in two minutes. Yeah, don't even worry about it. I got someone else. It's not like anyone was going to go there to see you anyway. Like, shit. And then, because I didn't have a car, because I got a ride the night before, I had to rent a car from, and, you know, of course, they see an opportunity. It cost me $220 to, like, rent a car to uh, drive home uh, to Olympia. I had to drive it back the next day. But, uh, yeah. So I'm thinking about that as I'm here uh, in Wisconsin and my family snowed in. I've been uh, I've been a comedian since 1932, I think, and uh, I still I'm still not used to. Uh, well, I guess I am used to it. It's routine, but uh, it's still not any easier to be gone from my family, uh, which is kind of a bummer thing to say. But it, uh, you know, there for everything you do, there's a price. You don't. That's how life is. You know, I don't get to have this pretty incredible job where uh, I get the adulation, is that a word, uh, from strangers all over the world and some amazing travels and something I'm passionate about. I don't, uh, to be a comedian, something else has to give in your life, you know? Maybe it's spending less time with the people you love. Maybe you don't get to have a relationship. Maybe uh, a lot of those things. That's just... Uh, just like the other way, if you have if you have a good career with good benefits and uh, stability, you don't get to do what I do. You don't get to have the experiences I have. Uh, which uh, sucks, but that's how it is. It's like monogamy, right? If if you want to be with someone, well, not everyone in relationships is monogamous, obviously, but. Um, and I don't, I don't mean cheating. I mean, some people are, they have an arrangement, you know, uh, my wife and I do not have an arrangement. I want, that's what monogamy is. You're saying I'm turning down a bunch of other experiences for this one. This experience is so good, but there's still loss in that. You know, you're still saying I'm going to shut down the part of me that wants to be with other people because that's how much I love this person. Uh, that's okay. That's how it goes. Also, also, I said that, like, if I wasn't married, I would be, uh, just knee-deep in vagina all the time. Uh, just constantly <laughs> with new and exciting women if it was not for my marriage. That is, uh, certainly not the case. But that's what's fun about being married, is you get to pretend like... You can look at an attractive person and go like, ah, if I wasn't married, no one ever completes that sentence. The end of that sentence is, if I wasn't married, that person still would not be interested in me. But, uh, I don't know. 
hopefully I get home tomorrow. Uh, I actually do. I don't know. I spend, as far as amount of time with my family, it might be somewhat normal because, uh, you know, when I'm home, I'm home and I get to put them on the bus and I'm there when they get home from school and I get to do field trips and volunteer and uh, I don't like to do that, but I still do it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I did the math, I might spend the amount of time a normal father does. But uh, it's really the activities. It's the events that I miss that, uh, you know, give me the guilt. Uh, just be, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm not there for. Because things happen on weekends for the most part. And uh, that's when uh, daddy makes the big bucks. That's a phrase I should never say again. Also, that's when Daddy makes bucks. Big bucks is a little a bit of a stretch. I just took my daughters to uh, what used to be called the Daddy-Daughter Dance. Uh, it's now more of an inclusive title, and everyone can go. Um, I did it a couple years ago, and it was uh, they really enjoyed it. I did it again. Of course, I didn't know when I didn't pay any attention, but my wife did, and she was like, hey, you don't have a show on this date right now. Maybe don't take one, and you can take the girls. And uh, so I did. I I turned down some work, nothing too crazy, but um, and it was fun. You know, it was fun to like do a thing. <laughs> it was fun to do an activity that uh, what a normal family man would get to do. And uh, but it was kind of funny at the very end. I said, I was saying to my girls when we were getting back in the car, I was like, look, I know I'm gone a lot. Um, and I know I miss a lot of your stuff. And, uh, I, that's why, you know, tonight was so special to me because we got to do something. And, uh, I just, you know, wanted to know, wanted you guys to know, uh, I appreciate you. And, you know, one of those kind of talks. And uh, I should have known better because, you know, they're uh, 11 and 7. And the result of me saying that was they started listing all the things that I had missed. Like, yeah, you missed my play that one time. Yeah, ballet, a lot of soccer games. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Glad I brought it up. Glad we could share this moment. I miss uh I miss how I felt about snow when I was a kid. I mean, it was well, at least a kid from the Pacific Northwest. It was the the greatest thing in in the world. They'd cancel school. It was fun. All of a sudden the world changed. It sucks. It sucks as an adult when you're just like, ah, I don't need this shit right now. I got things to do. This is going to mess this thing. It sucks. I'm not going to say Hashtag adulting. I don't like it when people do that. I don't know when that started. Like, oh, I paid my bills and made lunch. Hashtag adulting. What the fuck does that? I don't. Why do we need congratulations for uh, basic human shit we have to do to live? I don't. That's very weird to me. Also, uh, hashtag childhooding. It's not fun either. You have a lot less control of your life. I remember, I remember feeling that pressure when I was a kid. People would be like, uh, this is the best time of your life. Enjoy it. And I'd be like, it is? 
Ugh. I feel very confused, and I have a lot of erections at inopportune times. This is the best time of my life? Oh, boy. But snow was better. Snow was way better. I remember I was like, I think I was 18. I was at, I was done with high school, but I think still living at home. Uh, so I was 18 or 19. And uh, I remember, it snowed a ton. And I decided I was going to walk to this girl's house. Uh, and it was a girl, I guess you could say I had a crush on her. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I... I, I think one of the reasons I had a crush on her is that, you know, I think we had a, some classes. I don't know. I don't want to say too much. Uh, but we, I, I kind of liked her, but also I knew she was also uh, sexually inexperienced. So I thought, hey, I'm a virgin. She's a virgin. This will be great. We can fumble our genitals together. Uh, that's just, that's a weird thing you do. You start writing this story. For someone else who doesn't even know they're in the story. Like, I had all this stuff cooked up in my brain. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to be both of our first experience. And, you know, that day that it snowed, I'm like, I had to walk a mile and a half, two miles to her house. Just trudging through the snow. Uh, but in my head, it was like, oh, this will be a fun story we tell people years from now. Like, well, one day you walked to my house in the snow, and that's when I knew. I'm inventing all this shit in my head that she's not a part of. She, I guess she was inventing shit in her head for a different person. You know. And I got to her house, and uh, I said, uh, you know, whatever her name is. I said, is, is I knocked on the door. Her dad answered. I said, is she home? And he was like, no. And then I turned around and trudged two miles back to my house through the snow. Uh, she was not in the story like I thought she was. We never, it was fine. We never got together. We never did a thing. We're always, we constantly do that in the, in the beginnings of what, what we, of, of, of what we hope is, uh, going to be a relationship. You know, you're trying to like, you don't think I just met a person and this story is going to end really soon. You think this is the beginning to a long, wonderful book about our love and lust. And uh, sometimes it's not. And then sometimes when you get rejected, you're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You can't. This has already been written. Yeah, by me, but you're in the book. And I guess I guess that's what love is, is when you meet someone and uh, they've also been writing the same story. Did I just accidentally say something really beautiful about love? Yeah, fuck yeah, I did. Ah, <laughs> uh, I should write country songs. I uh, there was another. I don't have a lot of stories about uh, lost loves and uh, crushes because I, you know, I've been with my wife since I was nineteen for crying out loud. But uh, I, I uh, this other uh, girl, I. Uh, I, I summoned, I used to go to a subway all the time, and uh, she worked there, um, and I thought she was cute, and I thought maybe we were flirting, I couldn't tell, 
It's hard to tell with a sandwich artist. They're very crafty. Uh, and I, I just, I asked her out. I asked basically a stranger out. She worked at Subway and I said, Hey, do you want to go do something sometime? I don't remember what I said. She said, yes. And I was so proud of myself that I had summoned the courage to just ask someone out that even when it was clearly not going to work out, I'm like, no, I, I must be rewarded for my courage. I, I asked out a subway employee. That's the start of the story. That ends with us owning a subway franchise all over the city. No, I don't. I don't know what the story ended, but, uh, and we. I don't think we dated. That was one of those things where. Uh, she said she didn't want to date anyone, and then it turns out she was dating a lot of people, just not me. <laughs> oh well. She was uh she was quite the little author, it turns out. Quite a wordsmith. But maybe that wasn't part of that story. Maybe maybe those people are part of what became my wife's story. Those are the first chapters uh before I met her. And uh and we made our book which is available on Amazon. It's called Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast... Um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So, worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of the Rutledges. Oh, before I forget, uh, I was going to say before I get too far, we're like 30 minutes in. Uh, before I forget, uh, this episode has a sponsor. If you would like to sponsor Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge, that's me. Uh, it costs five bucks. I'll plug whatever you want. Hit me up on social medias or gabriel at gabrielrutledge.com or rutledgeradio.com, click on the envelope, or gabe-r-u-t underscore ledge backslash gov.biz slash org dash contact. Uh, this podcast episode is sponsored by the Diabetes for the Soul podcast. What? Did they do two in a row? Do these guys have $10 laying around to sponsor two episodes? You're darn tootin' they do. Diabetes for the Soul podcast. Uh, I'll put a link in the podcast notes. I believe their latest podcast, they actually inspired by my podcast. They all did three solo podcasts that they put together. I haven't heard it myself yet, but thank you. Diabetes for the Soul podcast. And uh, I spent your $5 on drugs. Hey, remember last week uh, when someone uh, sent me a question about uh, famous comedians I've worked with? Shit that Gabriel should have said last week. I thought of some more. 
uh, I could literally probably do this every week or I remember a couple more, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a big one that I forgot is, uh, in, uh, back in 2009 when I taped, uh, live at Gotham for Comedy Central, I taped it with, uh, Tiffany Haddish. She was on my episode. We, uh, we sat in makeup chairs next to each other and I don't want to brag, but my makeup, uh, didn't take as long, which I think means I'm more beautiful than Tiffany Haddish. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, she was just, uh, just like me at that point. Um, actually, I did, I, <laughs> thinking of that, I do recall I had a, I had a nice zit on my nose, uh, for that Comedy Central taping, but they have very good makeup people. You can't tell on TV. Whenever men appear on TV, everyone always says, you look so good. It's because we're wearing makeup. That's why. If we, if we got to wear makeup all the time, I guess we could, but we don't, uh, we don't get to hide circles in our eyes and imperfections in the skin walking around. But uh, when they do that for us on TV, uh, we're our best selves, although fatter. We're a much a rounder version of our best selves. Oh, but yeah, Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I mean, to uh, go on from that to be hosting SNL and being in like every movie right now. Uh, good for her. She was very sweet that day, and uh, we're both still in show business. That's the important thing. I don't know what she's doing. I got a podcast. We all got shit going on. I have listeners in Bosnia, all right? It's not fair to compare. The uh, the late Charlie Murphy also hosted my episode, which was... Uh, actually, it was pretty hilarious, to be honest, because... Uh, if, if you ever happen to see that episode of, uh, Life at Gotham, I don't know why you would. I think it's probably somewhere, Amazon Prime or something, or ComedyCentral.com, or, uh, he's, <laughs> he's wearing giant glasses, and, uh, when he was, he had to read everyone's introduction off the teleprompter, uh, for, you know, that's part of his job as host of that episode, and uh, he, he started off the day not wearing glasses, and then uh, he said he couldn't see the teleprompter, so that he kept they kept making the letters bigger and bigger and bigger, until the letters were so big on the teleprompter that like the word welcome would be like W E L, and then the line underneath C O M underneath E, like not even one word could fit on one line. That's how big they made the letters. And so he was like, ah, oh, man, I got to. So he gets these glasses out that are, uh, I mean, welders wear smaller glasses than this guy had. Uh, and he was a little self-conscious about it. And he was like, do these look okay? And he had like a group of people with him. And they're like, you look great, Charlie. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I want to look into contacts. Uh, so every time I see any picture of uh, Charlie Murphy in those giant glasses. That's a fun memory for me. And uh, bummer he died. I don't know what he died of. Um, but uh, there was, a, I mean, that's, you know, being around Comedy Central, even in 2009, that was, you know, Kyle Kinane, that was his first TV thing, I think, um, who I think is one of the best comics we got going right now. Um, you know who was super nice? at that Comedy Central taping was Rob Riggle. Uh, he was also hosting one of the episodes, not mine, 
And man, what just like like I would have bought a car from him. He he was just a solid dude. Maybe I don't know, he's a marine. I don't know if that's what it was, but just like firm handshake, eye contact, which you don't there's a lot of limp no limp handshake, no eye contacts in uh stand up comedy, so maybe that stood out a little more. There's not a ton of people who can catch a football who uh do stand up comedy. Uh but he was so nice and so uh generous with his time. I mean, before I went to tape, he goes, All right, man, go kill it, buddy. And he gave me a fist bump. I'm like, What how nice are you? I don't even know you. I'm getting fist bumps. He was uh, on The Daily Show at the time. Uh, nice dude, Rob Riggle. Well, I put this off long enough because it's, uh, it's a hard one to talk about. Uh, I got another email from a listener to this podcast. Honey, I got another email from a, two weeks in a row. Yeah. I know you're busy. I just thought you'd be interested that I two weeks in a row. It's pretty good. I made another five bucks this week, too. No, on, on drugs. I spent it on drugs. Okay. I'll talk. I'll talk when you're out of the shower. Okay. My wife, actually, uh, she FaceTimed me from the shower yesterday, which sounds a lot hotter than it was. Uh, she was laughing so hard that I actually at first thought there was trouble. Like, are you okay? Uh, and the reason she was laughing is because she was listening to last week's episode of this podcast. And I had jokingly, I had been talking about uh, my wife. If I was to be a comedian just for my wife, it would be all poop jokes. You know, like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go poop. You guys are great. She heard that and started laughing so hard that she almost fell over in the shower and she had to call and tell me about it. I mean, come on. That woman loves a poop joke. And I love that woman. I told you I could make country songs. That woman loves a poop joke and I love that woman. That's all I got so far, but I'll keep working on it. Uh, this week's uh, question from a listener. I'm not going to say the name. I don't think it's important. Um, uh, what do you think about Louis C.K. returning to comedy clubs? Wow. Why not? I mean, that's just like throwing a hornet's nest in my inbox. Uh, I'll be honest. I probably would not have discussed Louis C.K. on the podcast if someone hadn't asked a question, but I'm not going to not answer questions. Yeah, it seems weird. And it's not that I'm afraid that people know my opinions. It's just one of those topics where I don't want anything I say to be misconstrued. I don't want to say it the wrong way. Uh, it, you know, a lot of famous people who have been asked about Louis C.K., uh, they say things that get them in trouble. And, uh, not that enough people listen to this to get me in trouble, but uh, and by, I will say that, but side note, I'm stalling before my real opinions. Uh, I am not famous, but I have done enough newspaper articles. You know, mine are like, oh, I'm going to be in Cedar Rapids on this weekend, and so I'll be in like the Cedar Rapids paper 
on the Thursday entertainment section or what's coming to their comedy club or whatever. I've done enough articles that I know they can make you look whoever they want. It's like it's like editing a reality show. If you talk to a, to to a reporter, a journalist, a writer for an hour, they can make you seem however you want, or they can make shit up. People make shit up all the time. I had a, I had an article that was titled about me, uh, Gabriel Rutledge is happy being a working stiff. I have never said that in my life, uh, but they just. Took it from, you know, because the tone of a lot of the articles I do is like, oh, it's interesting you don't live in New York or L.A. and you're making things work from where you live in Olympia, Washington. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it hurts me, but I have other priorities, too, and blah, blah, blah. And so from that, she just decided to say she didn't it wasn't a quote in the headline, but it was still like, holy shit. Uh, in fact, I the last article I can remember, the guy asked me. He said. Now, this was his question to me on the phone before he wrote the article. He goes, uh, now, you're not – you talk a lot about your children, but you're not mean about it like Louis C.K. is. And so I kind of paused because it seemed like a loaded question, and then I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty honest about my kids, but I think I do it in a – I think I do it in a way that everyone knows I love my children by the, at, at the end of the show. And – uh in the article, it's not like he misquoted me, but in the article, it said, unlike Louis C.K., Gabriel Rutledge says this about doing material about his family. And then with my quote, I didn't bring up Louis C.K. You brought him up. You made it seem like I, I brought him up to talk shit about him. So I will say, anytime you're mad at a celebrity for allegedly saying things uh, in a, in a newspaper article or magazine thing, be a little wary. Because uh, sometimes, in fact, there's been recently a couple, like Drew Barrymore and The Rock, both had to tell people that an entire article was made up and they'd never done the interview before. Like, people just pretend uh, things are happening. Obviously, I'm not at that level. I'm at the, the level where I'm like, that's, please don't put working stuff in the title. Uh, of an article. Hey, who wants to come out to the uh, comedy club this weekend? I hear there's a working stiff there. That sounds good. Let's go see the guy who isn't brave enough to have big dreams. He sounds hilarious. Uh, anyway. Okay. First thing I'm going to say about Louis C.K. is fuck Louis C.K. Uh, for a lot of reasons. First of all, for being a creep. Uh, and also for being a big story in my business. A big story in my stand-up comedy business is Louis C.K. right now. And that sucks. And I don't... I don't care if he gets to make a comeback. I don't care if... uh How... His life has been impacted since what happened. Because I don't know the guy. He's not my friend. Well, I don't care. I got my own shit I'm worried about. Uh, well, I shouldn't. <laughs> See, even that. I bring up Louis C.K. and then I follow it up with I have my own shit to worry about. That makes it seem like I have my own Me Too thing I'm worried about, which is not the case. I'm not worried about Me Too at all. Uh, 
<clears throat> that's <laughs> I am not. Uh, see, I just took myself out of context. That's that's how easy it is to happen. So that's I guess the first thing I'll say is uh, I'm not even that wrapped up in the idea of like does Louis C.K. have a right to make a living and all that. I don't really care. Um, I am not going to pretend I was never a Louis C.K. fan because I think he's a tremendously talented stand-up comedian. I don't think he's the genius people made him out to be. I, you know, it was getting a little silly. He he, he would go on a talk show and, and say uh, that he doesn't let his kids use iPads and stuff because then you know, a real sunset can't compete with the digital world. And people are like, Louis so right. Louis so great. First of all, everyone kind of knows that, but also like, I'm sorry, is Louis CK a, um, child psychologist? Is he, uh, some sort of behavior scientist? I thought he was the comedian who had a lot of jokes about jerking off. I don't, I don't need parenting advice from Louis CK. Okay. I don't, he might be a comedy genius. He's not a life genius. And people tried to make him that. Um, but again, I'm not going to pretend he isn't tremendously talented. And, uh, actually my favorite thing he ever did besides a lot of great stand up, is, uh, Horace and Pete, which is, uh, sort of not a comedy show. I think it's on Hulu still. And I thought it was amazing. I mean, it was a, a, a tremendous show. Um, so I'm not going to pretend like I never loved the dude, but I, I will say even before any hint of scandal, uh, I was a little uncomfortable with the level of people uh, saying he was a genius. And also, this is way less important on the grand scale of things. But his big to-do about writing a new hour every year, um, it kind of <laughs> damaged comedy uh, in the sense that a, a lot of people started doing that or every two years. And... Uh, a lot of specials aren't great anymore. This is coming from a guy who's never had one, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but, you know, that's, again, that's not that important. But that idea, especially because people, a lot of people started comedy because of Louis C.K. Um, and they thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, when you start comedy... You're, if you're if your first jokes you ever tell on stage, you walk up on stage and go, "I have one year to to do that joke, and then I can never do it again because I'm doing the Louis C.K. method." It's ridiculous, and this is a weird analogy. But have you ever seen chainsaw art? Maybe that's a Northwest West Coast thing. But it's like people who use a chainsaw to carve things out of tree stumps, like you know, like with a chainsaw they'll make a bear or whatever or a salmon, and they look pretty good but if you didn't know they made it with a chainsaw they don't look that good you know if you're like look at this carving of a salmon you'd be like that looks okay and then if you said he did it with a chainsaw you'd be like holy shit that's impressive that's how i feel about louis ck writing a new hour every year where you're like how was that hour it was all right well he wrote the entire thing in one year holy shit that's impressive i don't want to make chainsaw art all right. I I don't care if I make uh uh 48 sculptures in my life. I'd rather make five amazing ones. 
and Louis C.K. has certainly made some amazing ones. But let's, you know, let's be honest. His last two or three specials, if that was one special, if the best of his last two or three specials was one special, it would have been phenomenal. Uh, but he doesn't... Okay, this isn't about career advice and about stand-up comedy. Um, I'm just a working stiff. These are just my working stiff opinions. Um, okay, I'll say two things about... One of the things that bothers me when people talk about Louis C.K. now is there's a certain population of bros who are like, he didn't do anything wrong. He did, he he asked for permission when they said no, he didn't do anything. Okay, that's that's really ridiculous. That's really ridiculous. Especially one of them, he was shooting a pilot uh, for, I think, a show that never happened. He asked a co-worker if she wanted to watch him jerk off in a green room. That That is inappropriate if you work at a Shell gas station. That's, you don't, yeah, maybe it's not illegal. Maybe it's not sexual assault. But that is really creepy behavior. And it, to to pretend like that is not, yeah, okay, he's not Harvey Weinstein. Okay, he's not uh, even Kevin Spacey. Uh, I, I get that. He's not a rapist, but he is a dude who uh, likes to jerk off in front of people, which he, in the context, not in a relationship or not with uh, a, a one-night stand situation, co-workers and random people he happens to be around. Yeah, he's not a rapist, but that's creepy. And, and not only creepy, but also, uh, you know, potentially psychologically damaging and traumatizing for the women he's doing it to. So the people who act like he did nothing out of line, that bothers me. The other side of that is, uh, especially men, especially men who are like, can you believe what he did? I can't even imagine. I would never... I mean, he should never set foot in public again. All right. It, we get it. You're one of the good ones, okay? Are we pretending that we've never heard of anything as crazy as a guy who likes to jerk off in front of people with barely permission? You, in your life, you, you never met a dude who takes his balls out at a party? You've never had a, 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 a an office party where some blowjobs happened where they weren't supposed to, or like I look, it's wrong. It's what he did is wrong and creepy. I am saying that, but to pretend I have a male brain to pretend like I never in my life could even imagine such. Yes, you can. I don't know, Louis C.K. I don't. But it kind of seems like uh, he is just mad he got caught. Um, again, I don't know what he's like personally, but publicly, there hasn't been a lot of uh, uh, admission of... Uh, I mean, he did have an apology when it first happened, but even that apology was more like... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize the position of power I had, which is like, 
I don't think that was exactly the issue, Louis. But uh, I don't know. It seems like he just wants to be like, uh, let's go back to work. And I, you know, he can, but he might have to make some changes. That tape that got leaked of his set, which, you know, it's not like it was a special. It might not have been ready. But um, where he, you know, people were like, how dare he make fun of school shooting survivors and blah, blah. That's the shit he's always done. That's the shit he's, that's the shit that we said was genius before. Do you remember his Saturday Night Live monologue about how pedophilia must feel amazing to risk everything to do it? And everyone, and there was a little flack, but everyone's like, only Louie, what a genius. So he's just doing what he used to do. But I don't think he can do that anymore. It's too creepy now. People know. I mean, if you listen to his old material, you're like, man, this dude loves jerking off. I never realized it before, but he, there's a lot of material about it. Write what you love. But I don't, I don't know. And there was like a really powerful, uh, one of the school shooting victims' fathers put out like a sort of a, a video of him kind of doing stand-up comedy to no one. But it was, you know, uh about what Louis had said, which I have nothing, obviously, but sympathy, sympathy for. I can't even imagine what that father's going through. To lose a child to a school shooting is obviously horrific. But we can't treat stand-up comedy like it's not comedy. You can't. You know, when Louie did the SNL <laughs> uh, bit about pedophiles, a, a pedophile victim could have easily made a stand-up comedy thing about the horrors of actually living through that. But that's not... Louie wasn't saying pedophilia is a good idea. He also was just making dumb jokes about a school shooting... That he's not in, I'm speaking on his behalf. He's not in favor of them. But I guess my point is, I don't think he can be the comic he was before. And all, I feel like his audience now is going to be weird alt-right dudes who belongs to a, a men's rights group and are proud boy marchers. And I don't think, I never got the sense Louis was that kind of guy, but I, his whole audience now is going to be people who are like, yeah, finally someone fucking said it. Um, but, you know, the hypothetical question gets bantied about in green rooms. Uh, would I work with Louis C.K.? No, I wouldn't. Um, just because I don't need that shit in my life. Uh, would I work a place that Louis C.K. also works? Of fucking course I would. And that's what bothers me about that idea. Why Why should the actions of uh, uh, Louis C.K. impact my life in that way? 
And and why should comedy clubs uh, be in charge of uh, <laughs> policing morality? Co- a comedy club is still just a building that hosts entertainment. You know, it's when Woody Allen puts out a movie. Do people get mad at the other movies that are also playing in the theater? Because uh, an alleged pedophile is still putting out movies? Are they like, oh no, if that Woody Allen movie is playing in that theater, then I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go see Fast and the Furious 28, and I'm never going to that theater again. You can if you want, but that seems weird to me. Okay, I don't agree with what a lot of people do that I also work at comedy clubs with. I don't agree with what a lot of comedy club owners do. I work for racists. I work for sexists. Uh, I work for people who uh, do shady shit with money. I do. I work for people who do too much coke. Uh, I work for. I work for a club uh, where one of the owners. Uh, has been convicted of domestic violence. Uh, I work for a club where one of the owners uh, allegedly asked a comic for naked pictures. Okay, am I not supposed to work at any of these places? And if the answer is yes, what about where you work, non-comedian? Nothing bad's ever happened at the State Farm office you work at? There's no racists at the construction site where you're at? When when I worked at restaurants, I know one of the bosses. It was a husband and wife who, who, who owned this restaurant I worked at. And I know the husband was having sex with one of the waitresses. Did I quit? No. It's just a job, man. I'm not signing off on anyone's behavior. But I can't, I can't. What am I supposed to do? What are any of us supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> like, I get to the point of like, <sighs> look, if I don't, if I don't work for the guy who's been convicted of domestic violence, the domestic violence still happened. It's not erasing that. I mean, if you fix toilets for a living, do you? Do you only fix toilets of people who are good people? Or do you just take the fucking money and maybe plunge a Nazi's toilet every once in a while? I don't... There's a line, obviously. If there was a known Nazi, I I don't think I'd want to work for him. But you could also say domestic violence is worse than being a Nazi. That's a pretty easy argument to make. Being a Nazi is just a terrible, evil idea. Domestic violence is actual assault. And by the way, that go back. That goes back to my other point about uh, when people take jokes too seriously. I mean, who's that guy who made Springtime for Hitler? Mel uh, Mel Brooks. I think. It's like a movie or a play. It's like jokes about Hitler and Nazis and... Like, what's a what's a more evil thing that's happened in the world than uh, Hitler? 
and he made a funny play about it. Okay? You can talk about dark topics and find humor. We're still allowed to do that. But maybe not Louis C.K. He may have masturbated that right away. You know, there's people out in front of the comedy cellar, I think only a couple, when Louis started going back there, who were like, oh, they should, no one should work there, and they should give the spots to other women who had suffered from his his uh, abuse. There's plenty of women who work the comedy cellar. And guess what? None of them stopped. And they're not going to stop. This is our job. You know, there is a guy, I don't know his name, uh, but he, he, he quit. He canceled the gig because a club booked Louis C.K. That, and he canceled the gig that he had there. If he wants to do that, that's absolutely fine. But to me, that seems like you're making something about you that's not about you. You cannot go to a club that books Louis C.K. Uh, you, you know, just like sometimes people don't go to Hobby Lobby or uh, Chick-fil-A uh, because they don't like how they feel about uh, gay people. I'm not educated enough to know actually what was said and what was done. And I don't want to look into it too much because that chicken is so goddamn delicious. Uh, but I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea that I'm only supposed to work for good people. Um, or not even good people, but people who don't book bad people. Um <sighs> And I also, I should point out, the the vast majority, I think, of the comedy clubs I work and the people I work with are decent people. Or if they're not, I don't know. I see these, most of these people I see one week a year. They're not, I'm not close to them. But, uh, it, I don't know. It's, uh, he's gonna work. If I owned a comedy club, would I book Louis C.K.? I don't think so. But if I really needed the money, I might, because he's going to sell out every goddamn show. And it's still a business. Mike Tyson is a convicted rapist. He had a Broadway play. He gets to be in The Hangover. I Are we not supposed to go... Whatever theater Mike Tyson had a Broadway play in... Do people still go to plays there now, or do they are they protesting that that there was a play by a convicted rapist, so whatever play is in there next, they're not going to go to. You know, I don't, I don't. Louis did a bad thing, and he seems to be a little off as a human. Uh, but again. Mike Tyson gets to be a hilarious guy in The Hangover. Mike Tyson goes on talk shows. Convicted rapist. Convicted rapist Mike Tyson. He goes on Fallon. He goes on fucking Conan and tells funny stories about pigeons or whatever the fuck he's doing now. So the idea that uh, Louis C.K. will never work again is not reasonable. You have the right to never go see him again. Um, and I don't blame you, to be honest. Um, but, uh, I guess, and also these, I don't know. I would say ask a woman because 
that's more important than how I feel about this issue. But maybe don't ask a woman because that's all they get asked. Is like, what do you think about this? Or how come women? What do you feel about women in comedy? You know, it's uh, it's hard enough being a woman in comedy without Louis doing shit like this. And uh, you know, it's uh, it sucks. It really does. Um, wow, this uh, this might have been a weird episode. I'm sure I'm gonna regret a lot of the things I said. Please. Uh, send me any comments if you think I missed any, uh, pertinent points on this, uh, Louis C.K. thing or anything else. Um, also, if you give me a five-star review, I'll, uh, on iTunes, I'll read it. Please subscribe. I know people are listening. I see the numbers. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, I'll talk to you guys next time, hopefully about something lighter. Uh, bye. Show's over. We're done. Bye.